and you can never climb out. But what I want you to see today is that labels can actually be blessings in disguise. So let me show you what I mean by that. Turn to Genesis chapter 25 in your Bibles, or I'll have it on the screen for you. Uh, Not long ago, we preached through the book of Genesis, highlighting the characters that are found in Genesis. And so we talked about Jacob at that particular point, but I want to uh, go back and look at his life once again because it has relevance for today. Now, you know that uh, Jacob is actually the, the grandson of Abraham, right? He was born to Abraham's son Isaac and Rebekah, and um, this is the account of his birth in, in chapter 25. When her days came to give birth, or when they were completed, behold, uh, there were twins in her womb. <clears throat> That's uh, Rebekah. Uh, the first, is it Rebekah? Am I right? You don't even know, do you? What a shame. All of a sudden, I thought, is it Rachel or is it Rebecca? So it's Rebecca. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called him Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. So twins are being born. Esau comes out first. And lo and behold, attached to Esau's heel is Jacob's hand. So, so they look at Jacob and they say, huh, you little heel grabber. I mean, that's what Jacob means, literally. Or at least the Hebrew name meant heel grabber. Jacob is a transliterated form uh, for us in English. You little heel grabber. So in other words, he's someone that trips up people, right? And he trips up people in order to gain an advantage. Now, of course, he's just a little infant at this point. I mean, how do you know that that's what he's going to turn out to be? I I don't think they did know. I I think they just said, hmm, this is interesting. We're going to call you heel grabber. That, That was his name. That's the label that he bore in life. Now, can you imagine Rebecca sticking her head out the door at the end of the day or around supper time? Uh, Esau, come in for supper. Or Red or Harry, come in for supper. Heel grabber, you too. Come on in. You little cheat. Con man, backstabber, deceiver. That was his label. And over the next chapters, next several chapters, the writer of Genesis, whom we believe to be Moses, uh, goes to great pains to show us that Jacob did a great job living up to his name. He actually lived up to his name. So we have the, the birth incident, and then in his adolescence, or something equivalent to his adolescence. He deceives his older brother and gains the birthright. Later on, as a young adult, he goes to find his wife at his Uncle Laban's place, and um, what do you know? He reaps what he sows, and the deceiver is deceived. But not to be outdone, before he leaves, 
his father-in-law's house, he deceives his father-in-law, makes off with a lot of bounty in the process. And then later on, he leaves town. He leaves his father-in-law without letting anybody know. He kind of sneaks out during the cover of night. So, so all of these stories are meant to, to really solidify the impression that Jacob is a deceiver. That's who he is. And again, we're left to wonder, you know, what comes first? Is it, is it the nature of the naming? Is it the nature of the labeling? Does he become a deceiver because he's called the deceiver? We're not really, we're not really told that. But he was reminded of it every time somebody said his name. Now, that's one type of labeling that takes place. And all of us have experienced it to one degree or the other. Some of us don't really have any lasting effects from, from labeling. Uh, I was labeled in high school. I was, I was given a nickname. It was Pup. P-U-P, and um, it actually was a nickname I didn't mind as time went on, but I didn't like it to start with because it was my high school coach who gave me the nickname. He says, I'm going to call you Pup from now on. I said, why is that? And he said, well, because when you run, you cover about as much ground as a pup tent. (laughs) Do, Do you know what a pup tent is? It's like, okay. Okay, thanks, coach. I appreciate it. That's what every athlete wants to hear. You're super slow. (laughs) But later on, like I said, nobody really knew the origin of the nickname, and Pup sounded kind of cool, so I just went with it. I suppose the, the stickiest label I ever had was my eyes. Your eyes are small. What's wrong with your eyes? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not American. <laughs> it was like, okay, whatever. My eyes are small. And now people like to say, you're bald. And I go, who cares? Cost me less. And I get out of the bath- bathroom faster than you do. And my head is nice and round. So I'm not ashamed. But <clears throat> some of you have been labeled, though, in ways that have really hurt. And I don't mean to make light of that. I've not experienced that. I don't really know anything about that depth of pain attached to a label. But I do know something about being labeled and it hurting nonetheless. It doesn't come from external voices. It comes from internal voices. So I want you to see how how this works. First of all, let me just say that um, the, the thing that made me think about this was I was talking to a lady um, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking on this subject of labels. And I said, well, what comes to your mind when, um, when, when you think of that? And so she shared a couple of thoughts, and then finally she said, uh, cheaters are always cheaters. Now, I happen to know that this particular lady had cheated on her husband at a point in time in her past. And so I said to her, well, who says that to you? And she paused for a minute and she said, nobody. (laughs) That's odd. 
You, you're living under this label, but nobody has said that to you. No external voice has said that to you. So I surmise that it came from an internal source. Now, who in the world might that be? Uh, Ephesians 6.11. Tim, if you can find that one. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Who? The devil? Who is that? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. So there's the devil, and he's not alone. He's got a lot of help. But please forgive me for bringing it up. I know we are Westerners. We're advanced. We're civilized. We don't talk in such terms anymore, do we? Right? We're smarter than that. So it's not that you don't know these passages. You don't know that passage. I imagine most of you have read this passage at some point in time in your life. The question is, do you really believe it? <laughs> and if you, if you do, then can you, can you spot his scheming? Can you spot his activity in your life? What's the next? Yeah, 12, Revelation uh, 12. Check this out. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down. Who accuses them? How often? Day and night before our God. Now, I can't, don't have time to give you the whole context, but he's talking about Satan. The accuser of the brethren. He accuses day and night, and day and night, and day and night, and day and night. He never stops. He never stops. And what he says is, I know you cheated. I know what you did. I saw you. Nobody else may not know. But I saw you. I know what you did. And you know what? If you did it once, you're going to do it again. Must be in your DNA. He accuses us day and night. And what he does is he plays on our sinfulness, right? Because in some sense, you see, we're all Jacobs. You know that, right? You know that the story about Jacob is really a reflection on, on sinful humanity. <laughs> that we're deceivers by nature. We're manipulators. We may succumb at varying degrees to our sinful nature. But when it's all said and done, we are primarily about ourselves. And so we use people. We manipulate. Now, if you deny that, then you deny the very essence of what it means to be a sinner. I'm sorry to tell you this. I'm sorry to put this label on you. But you have a sin nature. And that sin nature 
wants to manipulate the people around you so that you might gain what you need to live, to truly live. That's, that's who we are. And what Satan will do is he will exploit your sin nature. So now I'm talking to you. You're a believer. You've come to Christ. You've, you've crucified that sin nature, right? But we know it doesn't go away. Not yet, right? I mean, in principle, your sin nature has been crucified. And if you will just walk according to that truth, you can keep your sin nature hemmed up pretty good over in the casket, right? And you can walk in the spirit. But it doesn't take much to teeter. And give that sin nature a little room. All he needs is a crack in the door. And lo and behold, there you, there you are carrying on in the flesh, as the Bible said, according to your old ways and old habits. That's, that's life, okay? That's life. Paul talks about it in Romans 7. He says, the good that I would do, I don't do. What's wrong with me? Not until we are glorified. Will the sin nature be eradicated and removed from us? Well, what a glorious day that will be. (laughs) What a glorious day. But until then, Satan exploits our weaknesses. He exploits our sinfulness. He accuses us. He labels us. He boxes us. You did this. You'll always be that. You'll always be that. That, my friends, is the voice of Satan. Can you identify his scheming? Can, can you single him out? Can, can you figure out that particular voice in your, in your world? You should be able to because there is a voice. There's external voices. There's an internal voice. It accuses you. He accuses you. Now, the goal of satanic labeling is to diminish and degrade you to the point that you feel forsaken and forgotten. That's the goal of it. You want to know why? Because if he can do that to you, all that's going to do is perpetuate more sin. You know why? You know what the, you know what the conclusion that you draw when you feel this way is? What's the use? What's the use? God's forgotten me. God's forsaken me. What's the use? I might as well get all I can get right now. I mean, I got to live, right? You see, his lies are aimed at destroying you. Now, the question is, again, do you believe it? Can you spot it? labels generally have three outcomes, okay? Three outcomes to labels. The first is bitterness. That's that's one outcome that a label will uh, result in, bitterness. So this is kind of the ticking time bomb thing, right? So, so you've been exposed to this labeling dynamic and you just stuff and you stuff and you stuff and you bottle it up and you bottle it up <clears throat> and, and, and you think you've got a handle on it when really you don't because all that bitterness kind of um, seeps out in all your relationships. <clears throat> 
And, and you know, everybody else knows it. You, you don't. You don't realize it, but everybody else knows it. And you carry it inside, and at times you just explode. You explode. You know, there's people in society, we, we read about it in the news all the time. They've been labeled, and then lo and behold, 20 people are dead in a high school. You see, that's how it works with labeling sometimes. Uh, the second outcome is better. Uh, now, by better, I don't, I don't necessarily mean um, better in an in a ultimate good sense. Here's, here's what I mean. It's what I call the athletic response. <clears throat> and a, a particular guy or gal was labeled during their athletic career, you know, high school and such, college, you're too small, you're too small, you're, you're uh, too slow, uh, you'll never make it in the pros. And, and there are many stories of athletes who, who will sit down and interview on ESPN and say, you know, they always said I was too short. Or they always said I was too slow. <clears throat> and look at me now. So what that particular person did was they, they said, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to take that label and I'm going to turn it into, I'm going to turn it into a fuel and fire that, that just motivates me to become what they say I can't be. So all their lives is about proving somebody wrong, right? That's what defines them. And so when it's all said and done, what you have is a self-made person. And that's a dangerous, dangerous thing, right? To think to think that you actually achieved the outcome. You, you yourself overcame by yourself, on your own, according to your own tenacity and fortitude. That's a, that's a dangerous thing. The better place to be is broken. And uh, I, want, I want to show you what I mean. Now, let, let me set the stage. Okay, so... You know, Jacob does all this deceiving. Well, he's, he's down. He's left home, and he's, he's with his father-in-law where he marries his wives. And he's there for about 20 years. And, and he's kind of um, used up all his grace there. And so, like I said, he, he left, and he deceived everybody. He's leaving, leaving uh, uh, really fast and just kind of getting out of town and making off with all the, the loot, if you will. Well, as he leaves... He's going to return home, but he knows he's got to face his brother. His brother was the first person he really deceived, you know. And, and he, he knows when he left town that his brother wasn't happy with him. <laughs> so he's burning all these bridges. His brother wasn't happy with him, right? So now he's got to face his brother. And the Bible points out that he is, like, super afraid. He's, he's really scared. And so what he does is, is he, 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 like... <laughs> He knows his brother's out there, so he'll get one servant, and he'll say, okay, take him 10 goats. <laughs> the servant goes off with 10 goats. And he'll get another servant. All right, I want you to take 200 lambs. Get going. And then another servant. All right, I want you to take 50 goats. Get, you know, and so I, I counted it. I think there's like nine different gift presentations of, of different animal groups. And the idea is if I load him up with gifts, you know, then maybe I can soften him up. And then ultimately, 
just to show you the kind of character he is, he sends his immediate family on ahead of him too. All right, you guys, you guys head on out there. Let's go. And, and the idea, I think, is if he sees my kids, maybe he'll have mercy on me. You know, he's a guy with children. Don't kill him. And then we read, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, well, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Now, this is like one of those... Really incredible stories in Scripture. I mean, <clears throat> it wows me every time I read it. So, so Jacob, he's like, <clears throat> he's, he's at the end of his rope, you see. That's what's going on. He's at a place of crisis. He, he doesn't know what to do, man. His lifestyle has led him to this particular point, And lo and behold... God, who'd already promised him in the past that he was going to be heir to all the things that he had promised Abraham and then Isaac, his father, God shows up in the form of a man, and it, and it, and it is God, because Jacob says later, I've seen God face to face, okay? So he's wrestling with God. <laughs> and this story's kind of crazy, right? Because <clears throat> Jacob... I mean, the story reveals that Jacob kind of gets, gets the upper hand here. He, the guy can't get away from Jacob, or God can't get away from Jacob. And he's holding on to him for dear life. And he says, let go of me. The sun's about to come up. I got to go. And he says, no, I'm not going to do it. Not until you bless me. And so he says, what's your name? <clears throat> And he changes his name from deceiver to Israel. Which means one who strives with God and wins. (laughs) That's amazing. So, the third outcome is that of brokenness. And that gets us to where we want to be with this whole thing. You have been labeled. Jacob was labeled. You have been called certain things. You have been reflected on in a certain way. The enemy has harassed you as a sinner. What are you doing with that? Is it making you bitter? 
Is it making you an angry person? I mean, really, is that what's making you angry? Because you're just, you're just not at peace internally. There's these reflections that you have of yourself and, and this impression that you've gotten from other people as they've labeled you in life. And you know there is some degree of truth to it. And, and, and you're not pleased with that. And you're just disgruntled and unsettled. But yet you've never really put your finger on it. And then you know you're a sinner. And you know, you know God's not pleased with you either. And Satan does his best to point that out. And you don't live or walk in the light of God's approval. Like you're on the outside of that. You're not walking in grace. I mean, what kind of an impact does that have on a person? <clears throat> so Jacob, Jacob came to a point of realizing that the only way out of his dilemma was to fall before his God. In essence, to wrestle with his God. And to hold on to his God and say, you know what? I have to be changed. I have to be different. The label is true. I'm a deceiver. I've been that my whole life. I have to change. Oh God, please change me. Do not leave here without changing me. See, that's a broken man. That's a desperate man. And the cool thing about this story is, like, it's the break of day, guy says, let me go. I'm not going to, no, I can't. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And I said, okay, what's your name? And he changes his name, and then God touches him on the hip. And boom, Jacob's down. <laughs> what's the point of that? Well, it's like God could have won that fight any time he wanted to. But he didn't. He let Jacob prevail. He let Jacob win. Isn't that crazy? Like, what I take from that is, listen, if you are broken down by what's been said about you, if you are hurting, if you are in pain, if you will just come to God, if you will just, just bring all that turmoil, all that anger, all that bitterness to God and just wrestle with him. In fact, you need to wrestle with God, right? You know why? Because I know what you think. You think, God, why did you make me this way? You see, you blame God. And you know what? You should. You know why? Because God's sovereign. He controls everything. You know that. You can put two and two together. And you're like, well, why is my life this way? Why did you make me this way? You need to bring that to him. And let him reveal to you his wisdom in your life. He'll do that. He'll let you win. Right? In other words, he will give you what you ask for. He'll let you win that wrestling match. Just come to him. In fact, if God is sovereign, we have to believe that in some way, maybe a way we don't understand, that this whole labeling dynamic is a part of the grand plan. Right? This, this whole thing that has brought you to a place of desperation. This, this knowledge of yourself that you've gained through labeling. 
knowledge that you don't like, that whole process has been a part of God's work in your life to humble you and to break you so that you do cry out to him and you do ask him for his help. So labels can be overcome. First of all, get in the ring. Wrestle with God. Second of all, get yourself a walking cane. Now, you, you know, Jacob limped the rest of his life. I don't have time to prove that, but he limped the rest of his life. So he walks into that wrestling match in weakness, and he leaves in weakness. <laughs> right? He trades weaknesses. Now he identifies with God in a new and distinct way. It's a whole different sort of weakness. So trade your sorrows in for his sorrow. Identify with his sorrow. And you know what that does? That gives you meaning and purpose in your sorrow. There is only one pain that has purpose, and that's the pain of Jesus Christ. And I mean that in an ultimate sense. Now, here's the final thing I'll say. Uh, Get a new name. Jacob got a new name. Get a new name. You want to know what Jacob's new name really was getting at? Israel, one who strives with God and wins. Basically, it means one who overcomes. One who overcomes. Listen to this verse out of Revelation 2.17. This was spoken to one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Jesus is talking. John is writing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone. We don't have time to explain all that. Here's what I want you to see. With a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. <laughs> I grew up in the South, a little church down in Alabama. And they, they used to sing a song and they go, There is a new name written down in glory. Have you ever heard it? I, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Sean has. Are you from the South, Sean? No? Okay. <clears throat> you got southern relatives, don't you? No. Um, there's a new name. A new name. You have received, if you are a believer in Christ, you have received a new name. I don't know what that name is. You'll know it one day. I'll know mine one day. But it is a name. It is an identification. It is a label that Jesus Christ has given us. And you know what it accords with? Overcoming overcoming and it won't be anything that we've achieved in our own strength it will be a name that somehow identifies the oneness that we have had with Jesus Christ so it's a name that kind of says something about us but says something about Jesus it gives him ultimate glory is what it does and we're happy to wear it so Waste the old label. Grow into your new label. Grow into that new name. Identify with Jesus Christ. That 
That is where you find meaning and purpose in and through Jesus. We've closed all of these sermons with, with a time of prayer. <clears throat> and um, We're going to do that again today. Jordan, you going to be able to come play for us? Just something in the background? Um, <clears throat> we want to invite you up for prayer. Now, here's, here's what happens, okay? We have to turn the whole sanctuary into a, a prayer place, right? Because if we don't, then it just doesn't go well. So, during the next several minutes, if, if you have to go, that's fine. We totally understand. But please uh, go ahead and exit the sanctuary. If you stay, there's, there's one of two things. Um, some of us are going to come up and, and, and pray with you. Uh, you can come up and be prayed for. Or you can just stay in your seat and kind of pray in your seat for people who are coming up and being prayed for. So that, so that the whole place kind of turns into a, a house of prayer, if you will, or a sanctuary of prayer. So, so here's the idea. I, th- I think you get it. Hopefully I've been clear enough that if you, if you have this sort of pain that, that I've talked about today, there's healing, <laughs> right? Come on up and start your wrestling match. Come on up. The Lord wants you to, he, he invites you to come. The best thing in your life could be that you were labeled and it drove you to a point of pain so that now you're going to reach out to God for help. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're not a, you know, like if you're not a believer and the Lord's leading you, please come. Please come. If you are a believer and, and this is, spoke towards some kind of pain in your past and you're ready to just give it over to the Lord and be free of it and walk in the freedom that that he offers we want you to come up as well so we're gonna we're gonna take a position up front here um can you sing majesty again let's do that they're gonna sing this song and if you want to come and be prayed for we're gonna be here I'm gonna I'm gonna say initial prayer and then then we'll